Good job, you guys. Fantastic way to start the day. Good morning, and welcome to K2, the church. Um, we are starting a brand new series today, and it's called This Critical Journey. And uh, what we're going to be doing for the next six weeks is taking a look at all the different phases that there are um, in this spiritual journey of really knowing God. Last week, we talked about, as we looked at our vision for this year, that the absolute most important thing for all of us is that we would know Christ. Knowing Him is the most important thing. But what you'll come to find is there's no formula for that. <laughs> there's the, what happens and what works for one person doesn't work for the next person. Um, there's no way to kind of just push a certain button and make this happen. It's a little bit of, mis- of a mystery as you walk with Christ. And not only that, but you'll also find out that it isn't just something that You'll find all these different phases of it. You, sometimes uh, it's exciting when you first start, and then sometimes you've got to figure out, how do I know Christ when I've been walking with him for five years or ten years? Or what's it mean to find him in the first place? And so our goal in these next six, six weeks is to look at these six different phases, and I guarantee you that you'll probably find yourself. Is that, can you say guarantee and then probably at the same time? Okay. Um, I'd probably better to say probably. I guess that probably you're going to find yourself in one of these weeks. And when we hit your week, you're just going to know it. It's going to really resonate with you. But one of the great things that's really important about doing all six of these weeks is you also can help, it'll really help you, I think, learn and understand where other people are at in their journey. And that allows you to give them much grace because you can go, oh, that's where they're at and that's what they're going through. And so today we're kicking it off with... Uh, what we're going to title the phase as captivated. And um, it's kind of the first thing that happens with God. And, and to bring someone, I brought a, I have a friend, a real dear friend of our family. Many of you uh, who are part of K2 know her. And uh, I've asked Jamie Fitzgerald to come up and share just a little bit. So if you could welcome her. Give her a warm welcome. Take away all of her anxiety. Get her up here. Excellent. All right. Well, Jamie, why don't you just start off and, and just kind of share with people a little bit of the history of your, your spiritual journey. <laughs> You're good. We love Jamie, right? Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Um, I guess to start off with, I grew up in a very, um, a home that was surrounded by Catholicism um, as a child. Um, I lived in a, grew up in a small rural town and grew up on a ranch and, um, it wasn't a huge part of my life, it just was a part of my life. Um, I was involved with Catholicism up until I was around 15 years old. And then I left to go away to boarding school. And um, then there was a, a five-year gap um, where I didn't have any influence, any religious influence in my life. And then when I was around 20 years old, I decided to go traveling and I left for Canada. And, um, and where are you from? I'm from Australia. Oh, really? <laughs> I thought it was Texas. I- <laughs> I was struggling with it. Okay. <laughs> um, and then, so in arriving, when I arrived in Canada, I was just really um, hungering for God, and I didn't know what that looked like. And um, so when I first got there, I saw a little uh, Christian bookstore across the road, so I decided to go over and check it out, and I brought myself my very first Bible. Um, then within, a, within approximately around two months, um, I met a girl who invited me to her church. And I was involved with the church for around about uh, a month, but it ended up being a cult. So it was just a really, a really bad experience. And um, in leaving that cult after that month, um, 
I thought I was going to hell. I really thought I was going to hell. And so I really struggled with that. And um, so then there was a, another period in my life where it was around about another five years. It was up until 2005, actually. And, and through that time, I just went through a really dark time in my life. Um, it had been dark prior to that um, because of my childhood and, and what I was surrounded by as a child. Um, but it was a real time where I just really felt the presence of darkness. And um, during that time, I was very suicidal. Um, I had suicidal thoughts all the time. I didn't want to be alive. Um, and it was just hard. It was hard to, to want to live anymore. And so I, I don't even know how to explain it. It was just a really hard time in my life for up until around 2005 um, when I spent a summer in Jackson Hole where I worked. And I really, I always saw God in, in nature um, and just in creation. And so I spent a lot of time by myself there. I did a lot of hiking and biking and just the things you do out there. And um, I ended up going, I saw this little article on the billboard that said um, Cowboy Church. And I thought, wow, that's cool. I come from a ranch. Maybe I can go check this out. So I went to the church one time and the guy that was running the church there, he would um, do a sermon, but it would involve animals. So he'd do a service with dogs and then he'd relate it back to God and he'd use horses. And this one, I went one time and then I thought, okay, I'll go back and give this another try. And so the second time that I went back, um, he was doing a service about fear and his fear of God and his fear with his horse. And it just rang home to me because I grew up horse riding. And, and that day I just found myself just in tears. Um, and I just kind of fell apart. And that was the day that I gave my life to Christ. And even still today, I, at that point in time, I didn't know what that looked like, what it meant. But something in me desired it, desired to know this God, this God of creation at that time. And what, so what, and what was that like? What was the, what was kind of just the, the experience right after ma making that decision? I think just there was a softness that started in my heart because I'd been such a survivor for such a long time and, and just I had such sturdy walls up around my heart and um, I still struggled with suicidal thoughts but there's something, something changed and I, I don't know what what that was yeah. at that time. Um, looking back, I can understand a little better now, but yeah. it was just, yeah, it was... It was but a, but a, a softening, I like that, a softening began. Mm -hmm. And then you found yourself in Salt Lake City mm -hmm. and somehow found this crazy church, <laughs> K2, and decided to come here. And, and you've been on a journey now with us for a couple of years mm -hmm. almost. And why don't you just share just kind of what you're feeling now? What's going on right now with you and God? I don't know if I can explain it, I can't. Mm. <laughs> yeah. When I asked uh, <clears throat> Jamie, she came over yesterday and we were sitting on the couch and, um, <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, so, so what's happening between you and God now? And as soon as I said that, she just, <laughs> this smile just hit her face and she just beamed. And we just sat there and we just looked at each other with these smiles on our face and I said, if you just do that tomorrow, that'll be fine. <laughs> Because it, it's, it communicated, because I know Jamie, and I know it's kind of been going on, and that, that smile communicated more than words ever could about just some of the newness and some of the freedom that God's been getting you. But as she said, even to me yesterday on the couch, she's trying. She goes, Dave, I, I really can't explain it. Um, see, when you get captivated, 
Anybody ever been captivated by something before? It is really hard to express in words what you feel. But do you want to try? <laughs> I just, I really feel like God's romancing me. That there's just an intimacy that I don't understand. And the healing that he's done in my heart and in my life through the people he's put in my intimate circle and how they've loved me. I, I feel like for the first time my spirit's dancing and it was crushed for so long and I just, that's it. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Other pieces. There were two other things she said yesterday. She said, for the first time, God actually feels real. And I think that's what happens when you start to get captivated, is I'm guaranteeing you there's some people in here right now that you believe that there's a God, and you think he exists, but you haven't quite got to that place where he's real. And then I like how she said that, her spirit's dancing. Because she feels like God's loving her. But here's, so we're going to talk about that today. And we're just going to sit in what it means to be captivated. And, um, and I know that for some of you, you've never tasted that before. <laughs> um, some of you did. And just by watching Jamie, you were going, I remember that. <laughs> but what we want to do right now is for some of you in this room, you're captivated right now. Right now is when God is just kind of filling your heart up. And you're feeling the joy and the peace and the love of God. And um, if you could um, go ahead and stand with me um, to start off the service. Do, do it a little bit different this morning at K2. <clears throat> um, we're actually going to start off by our worship. We always usually worship at the end of our service to kind of respond to what we've heard. But today, in honor of all of you who are captivated by God, we just want to give you a chance to just express your love and gratitude back to Him. And for the rest of us who maybe aren't feeling captivated, maybe this is our time to remember how great he is, but we're just going to lift him up and just start to praise him this morning and remember that he is a God who's really, really good. And, um, and I'm going to start off by reading just a few verses in Psalm 145. They'll be up on the screen and you can kind of read along with me as you see these. And then we're just going to jump right in and begin to worship him with all of our heart. It says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you, and I'll extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise, and no one can measure his greatness. The Lord is merciful. He's compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all of his creation. All of your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers, we will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom, and they will give examples of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majesty and the glory of your reign, for your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and you rule throughout all the generations. The Lord always keeps his promises, and he is gracious in all that he does. Let's give him praise for that. So have you ever felt that way with God? Thank you, Mark. 
All right. The message is for the rest of you. <laughs> now, have you ever just felt in awe of God? Have you ever felt deeply touched and just satisfied, complete, and completely loved? This whole idea like, like standing in awe. And, if, and maybe if you haven't felt it with God yet, it's, it's easy to relate because we feel this with other things too. I remember about 10 years ago, uh, there were about six of us guys back in Detroit, and we drove over to one of our buddies' um, cottages on the west side of the state. And I grew up out in the country, you know, and so it's, it's awesome because at night, when you're not surrounded by all the city lights, you know, you look up and the stars are just, they're so much brighter. But this night, we drove over there, we're, you know, and we're six guys, we're like 30 years old, we're just, we're yucking it up, we're ripping on each other, we're, you know, we're just cutting jokes, we're just having a blast. We open up the doors to our car, and we step outside, and we look up, and this is no, like for the next 15 minutes, six 30-year-old men just were going, We said nothing. Just like Jamie. She couldn't get it out. It was, it was unbelievable. Happened to me the first time I saw the Grand Canyon. Anybody seen the Grand Canyon that hits you that way? Where you just look at that and you go, I mean, this is amazing. And then I remember the second time I was going to go. I thought, well, I've already seen it. And I went the second time and I'm like, no, oh, it's still amazing. And, and that's one of the cool things about God, too, because he actually is kind of like bigger than the Grand Canyon even. And so it doesn't happen just once. It can happen many times. It happened for Susan and I this last fall. We were climbing Mill B Trail. You guys, anybody done the Mill B Trail up here? And we just kept going. I don't know how far. We went and we went and we went and we went and we went. And finally, one of the times, we just turned around. And when we turned around, it was just like this, this sight was unbelievable. It's like watching a highlight film of Barry Sanders. It's like, you just, I mean, grown men weep. Watching a highlight film of Barry Sanders, it's just a thing of beauty. Have you ever, have you ever been forgiven when you didn't deserve to be? By a human being? Have you ever done something to another human being? And you know, this relationship could be over, and they would have every reason to do that. And they come to you, and they love you, and they forgive you. <laughs> That's awesome. You've ever experienced a healing that should have never taken place? You know, you got the bad news or someone you know, and then all of a sudden, for no explainable reason, <laughs> you take the test and it's gone. How'd you feel? You know, it's like falling in love. It really is. And what's interesting is when you fall in love, actually, it's important that the other person's falling in love too, or else it's actually not that much fun, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's actually more of hell, actually, than, than what I'm talking about. But if both of you are experiencing that at the same time, man, you find what? You'll do anything. I mean, you'll do anything. You don't, you don't even care what people think, right? Not at all. 
Now, you may try to hide it, you know, especially if you're a guy. You know, lots of times you, you're so in love, you're going to do wacky stuff because you just can't help it. So you try to hide it, but you still do it because it's love. It, it captures you. All of a sudden, when you're in love, you ooze the selflessness. Isn't it crazy? See, that's why marriage is so hard because something happens when you put the ring on the finger. All of a sudden, the ooze of selflessness just kind of disappears. But you had it. You know what that feels like. And all the other cares in the world seem smaller as long as we've got each other, right? You and me against the world. Sometimes it feels like you and me against the world, and I don't care. It's amazing. But you guys, all those experiences, and we've all tasted something like that, they're just tastes. They're just appetizers. Some of them are just a, a smell of what's really there. And that is when it actually happens with God. When God makes himself real and you now know him and you don't know about him anymore, you actually know him. And one of the things that happens is he's awesome. <laughs> he is. You see him like you never saw him before and his love is amazing. It's unbelievable. I remember for me, I accepted Christ when I was 11. I can't really remember what it was like after that. Um, but as I've shared with you, I kind of just didn't really understand it. I went through some hard times. I went through some great times. So I remember one time being like a junior in high school and being at a summer camp and having God invade my heart so personally and so deeply. I was standing on top of this, you know, I can't say a mountain because I live in Michigan, but it was like this top of this high hill and feeling like, I don't care about nothing. Have you ever been there with God? We sang it just last week. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. I love the word strangely because that's it. You don't even get it, but you don't care. But man, when I was 19 years old, and I literally finally gave him my life, left everything that was important to me, that mattered to me, that was precious to me, for Jesus Christ. <laughs> Unstinking believable. I was on a spiritual high for a year and a half. I, when I look back, it was about a year and a half of unbelievable connection and reality with God. And we're going to get to this. Can I just tell you, the key, if you've never tasted it, have you ever given up everything for Jesus Christ? Everything. Because then you get everything. Man, I felt free. I remember just feeling free. I was confident. I felt joyful. I was at peace. Man, he had me. He absolutely had me. When I was thinking about this message, this is the passage that I'm going to read for you and I'm going to teach from later. I felt like 1 Peter right here. 1 Peter chapter 1 starting with verse 3, 3 and 4 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, that's how I felt, how we, we started off this morning. Praise be to Him, for, for, of our Lord Jesus Christ, because in His great mercy, He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. 
And then you go down to verse 8 and it says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. I ain't never seen him. I love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him. And you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. So Jamie, you were right on. Inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And like I said at the beginning of the service, as we go through this message, you guys, I know that right now some of you are there. Some of you are there. And I also know that some of you were there. And a lot of us today, what we need to do, if you've tasted it but you're not in it right now, you need to just remember it. Today I'm hoping is a day where God might recollect, like an anniversary, right? When you get together with your spouse and remember and you talk through those goofy stages of courting each other and honeymoon and all that fun stuff. Maybe today's a day where you need to remember what it was like to be captivated by God. Because there are lots of stages. And not everybody's in this one today. In fact, I would guess most of us aren't. But there's some of you in here, you've never tasted it. And I just, I just hope that as we go through this, that maybe it'll help for you to understand, how does this happen? Now, when I asked myself that question this I was thinking, how, how does this happen? I'll be honest with you. I have no idea. So we can just go home and hope that God will do it. But I'm serious. I, I don't know. I wish I could push a button. Like if I could do anything. I'm going to tell you, man, as the leadership of this church, all of us, if we could do anything, you know what we'd do? We would push this button on this morning, Sunday service. And it go, and I just push this button and God would just go, and he'd just show you himself and you'd fall on your face and you'd, you'd worship him and you'd think he's the greatest thing in sliced, since sliced bread. I wish I could do that for you. I wish I could do it for me. I wish when I'm not feeling him, you know, when it's dry and it's hard and I'm struggling, I wish I could push a button and all of a sudden just feel God. Uh, but I can't. It, it doesn't work that way. But for, for some people, it's kind of like a love at first sight. For some of you, you were just kind of cruising along in your life, and then something happened, and bam, God just struck you. It was a, it was a one-time moment where one day you were one way, and the next day you were, just, you were just different. And he does that for some people. I would say the majority of us are more like the love relationship that, hap- the, the love relationship that happens through a friendship, right? You got this really good friend, and you're kind of going through life, and then all of a sudden, like years later, all of a sudden this other thing starts to develop. And next thing you know, you realize you love that person. And then you really love him. You really fall in love with him. I think lots of us have that kind of experience with God, where we don't even really know when it happened. It just happened. All I can tell you right now is I am filled. Even though I don't see him, I love him. And even though I can't see him now, I believe in him. And I'm filled with an inexpressible joy. But I do want to say that there are some common, if you look at the majority of people, and, and how this captivated stage takes place, and maybe why it takes place. There are usually three things that are going on in someone's life. And what's interesting is they're right here in 1 Peter. So I'm going to uh, go back and go ahead and throw back up on the screen, verse 3. And um, we're just going to look at a few things that might take place, and maybe they might help you today um, as you're in your spiritual journey. The first one is this. When he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because in his great mercy, he's given us new birth. I'm going to camp on the word mercy for a little while. Because 
Some of us get captivated by God. Some of us enter into this relationship with God because we have this deep, heavy, overbearing sense of guilt. There's something inside of our lives where we know we're not being the person that we want to be or that we're supposed to be. And it's one thing, you guys, to know that you've wronged a person and to have that person give you forgiveness. Like we say, that's unbelievable to experience the mercy of another person towards you. But when you realize what you've done against God repeatedly, willfully, day after day, it's a regular part of your life and you don't even really care. And then you realize that He gives you complete mercy. I'm telling you, it'll blow you away. There comes a time when there's a conviction. In fact, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit does that. It's His job, actually, to convict us of our own sin. And when you start to feel that conviction, there's just a sense where it comes and you start to feel guilty about it. And usually what happens is, when you feel guilty towards God because of the way you're living, what do you do? You run away from him, don't you? <laughs> I mean, we all, we just turn and we burn. We just, we got, we got to get away from this guy. We don't want to come to church. We don't want to be around Christians. We don't want to be around our Aunt Ethel who's going to, you know, bug us about. We don't want it. And yet, what's weird is, at some point, you feel the conviction, you feel the guilt, and for some weird reason, you feel drawn to God. And it's scary or as my two-year-old Caleb says, it's scary. <laughs> when you feel like you aren't worthy of God, and yet something's drawing you to him, because you feel like, I can't get close to God. He's going to know like he doesn't now, but he will. And then if I get close enough, he's so holy and so righteous, he's going to bam me. And yet you can't stop coming to church. And you can't help getting closer to him. And you find yourself saying, I can't live like this anymore. I can't live like this anymore. Titus chapter 3, starting with verse 3, says this. At one time, we too, we were foolish, we were disobedient, we were being deceived, we were enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Anybody relate? We lived in malice and envy, we being hated, and we hated one another. But, but, when the kindness, the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of His mercy. But because of His mercy. I'm telling you guys, the key is right there in verse 5 when it says, not because of righteous things that we had done. Did you know when you look at the actual definition of what it means to receive, receive mercy? It means that no one has the right to mercy. Nobody has the right to it. You can't sit there and say, you owe me mercy, because then that wouldn't be mercy. Mercy given is to someone who doesn't deserve it. It's someone who hasn't done anything, not because of righteous things that you've done. 
And again, if you're sitting here today, and maybe that's you, maybe you feel far away from God, because you know, you know, right now, the life I live, I know is not pleasing to God. I know it. But maybe you've gone past the knowing it to a place of actually feeling some conviction about it. And what you need to know is it's not going to be because you start doing righteous things that God will save you. He's not sitting up there and going, you go to church a little bit more, okay, you stop smoking, you stop drinking, you stop doing all the things you do, and then I'll consider it. No. When you are not doing righteous things, God's kindness and love appears. Now, he's holy, and he hates your sin because it's destroying you and the people around you. So he hates it, but he completely gives you mercy. And I want to tell you what, man, when that happens, when you know that you've received the mercy of God, when you know that you're forgiven into a new birth, a new birth is a second chance, and God's the God of third and fourths too. I'm telling you, you get filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy because you're receiving the salvation of your souls. If you got what you deserved, you would go to hell. It is true. And if you don't receive his mercy and his salvation, he saves us, that actually needs to happen, then that will be your experience. But to know that's what you deserve, that's know what you, what you should rightly get from God is his punishment, and you're not gonna, you get filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. And there's only one reason, you guys, hear me clear, there's only one reason God can have mercy on your soul. You know why? Because he's already punished your sin when he nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. See, God has to punish sin or he wouldn't be a just God. Has to. So he took his innocent, pure, holy son, Jesus Christ, and he killed him to pay the penalty of death that you and I deserve. So all of God's wrath has already been taken care of. And now he can give mercy. And if that's you today, if you've been overburdened with guilt and with conviction and you feel horrible about the life you're living, you need to know that when God appears, he'll appear with kindness and with love and with mercy and he'll forgive you based on what Jesus Christ has done. And I'll tell you, when that happens, you get captivated by God. So that's the first thing. By his great mercy. All right? Okay, throw the verse back up there. He goes on. By his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And here's the other reason a lot of people seek out God. And that's because if you think about hope, the opposite of hope is what? It'd be despair. And there are many of us sitting in this room right now who find ourselves in some sort of despair, in some sort of anguish, in some sort of trial within this life. There's grief, there's sadness, there's loss of either a job or a loved one, 
or many things, there can be constant struggles. You know, this is where we just go, this isn't fair. Because there seems to be like some people on earth who just go through a whole lot more struggles than others. And maybe you're one of those people where your life has been a constant struggle. Physical illness. Some of you, you are not, you can't experience the fullness of the life that you feel like others have because of physical things that you're struggling with. Relational conflict. Divorce. Abandonment. Abuse. Loneliness. I'm telling you, man, if we were all honest in this room right here, the majority of us are sitting in here. Well, see, when you're sitting like that, and that's your life, then what do you do? Isn't it interesting that humans don't just go, well, it's just the way it is. No, there's something in human beings that say, no, I'm going to search for more. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. So it's all of us. That's why we have it. He said, you're going to have trouble in this world. But then he says, take heart. I have overcome the world. Another great scripture says, he is not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. See, Jesus, you guys, has tasted so much of what we've experienced. And so he now can help us in our weaknesses. We were born, by his great mercy, into a new birth, second chance, and into a living hope. And a hope, you guys, what that means is you look forward in eager expectation to what God will do. You look forward. You have a hope now. And so, I don't know, some of you guys who are really hurting and really struggling, whether it's relationally or physically or emotionally, if you don't have any hope today, I want to give you some hope through Jesus Christ, who's risen from the dead, who's alive right now today. And it's a living hope. And here's the main hope, you guys. The main hope is this is just a journey. This is short. Our time here on earth compared to eternity is nothing. In fact, if you come over to my house, you'll see this picture that we have. It's kind of funky because it's just a pinky. And it's blown up big. And it's Susie's pinky with a grain of sand on it. And I heard a guy say um, that when you see these great sand dunes, sand dunes that are up in northwestern Michigan, he said, You'll put your, next time you go, lick your finger, stick it in the sand, get one grain of sand on there, and hold it up to all the rest of the sand that you can see. He goes, that's your life compared to eternity. And so I took this picture, and we got it back, and it was so cool, we stuck it up on our wall, and it's our eternal perspective picture. It's to remind us that the struggles and the things we go through on this earth right now are temporary. In fact, when my mom got cancer, the day she got cancer, the day she uh, found out the news, she came home, and I was reading this passage of Scripture from 2 Corinthians, and I actually memorized it because it became my life for a minute. And it said this, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, and if you know Paul's troubles, they were not light and, well, they were momentary, but they weren't light. But in view of heaven, they were light and momentary. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And it's forever and ever and ever. And that's a living hope that you and I can have is the hope of heaven. 
But the greatest thing, you guys, is it's a living hope, and eternal life doesn't start then. We say that all the time here. You didn't just get a ticket to get to heaven. You have him now. And so a living hope is what? That now the God through the Holy Spirit is in you. So now this God can be with you. The God of compassion, the God of comfort, the God of strength, the God of peace, the God of endurance. The God who says, I work in all things for the good. All things for the good. For those who love me and have been called according to my purpose. See now. You don't only have the hope of heaven, you have the God of the universe, indescribable, uncontainable. You just, that God is now with you. And you know what he does? He's with you in your struggles. And sometimes he relieves them. And it's awesome. Sometimes he heals you what Jamie's experiencing. Sometimes he heals you, not just physically, but even emotionally, and it's awesome. Sometimes all he does is change your perspective, but that sets you free. And sometimes he says, not taking this one away, but I'm going to be with you every step of the way. I'll give you my strength. I'll give you my endurance, my perseverance. I will never leave you. And let's go through this. And I tell you what, you guys, when that God of the universe enters your struggle, you don't see him, but you love him. You don't see him now, but you certainly believe in him. Because you have a peace you couldn't muster up. You have a strength that you know without God you couldn't make it through. And you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. So that's the second reason why some people jump into this phase with God. Because they need Him. And then once they come to Him, He meets that need. Let's keep going. Go back up there again, verse 3. Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. You know the other reason people, maybe you, maybe why you're here, maybe why you're checking out God, is because you're just not fulfilled. You're not satisfied. You, you just, there's something inside of you just knows there's something more. You ever been there? I just, I just know there's something more than what I've got right now. And you want to live more intensely. I'm telling you what. When you run into God, you will find out there's a whole other world that you were never aware of. That there's a reality deeper than the surface of this world. There's a purpose in this world that's, that, again, is eternal. And you'll start to find out that you exist for that purpose. That you're made specifically the way you are for a reason for God to honor Him and to give Him glory for His purposes. And when you find Him, you get this inheritance. Now, I don't know about any of you guys, but any of you like waiting for an inheritance? Any rich people out there? Or not, like not yet rich people? <laughs> kind of, and, and you're sitting there, and you know what? And you did squat. Isn't that what's weird about an inheritance? You know, they did all the work. 
and you're just kind of waiting, you know, as soon as they go, I'm good to go. Jesus did all the work, all the pain, all the suffering. You put your faith in Christ. John chapter 1 says you receive him. God gives you the right to become a child of God. And then you become a co-heir with Christ. And what would you do? Nothing. I just said, okay. I receive it. Give it to me. And what is this inheritance, you guys? It is more than you could ever ask or imagine. I'm telling you right now, if you're feeling unsatisfied, if you're feeling unfulfilled, if you are feeling like, you know, there's just more, if you want to live more intensely, come on, baby, K2 the church, an adventure with God. You want an adventure for your life? Receive Christ. I don't care how good you are. You know, right now you're sitting there going, I've been one of the lucky ones. My life's been pretty good. Got a great family, make lots of money, total comfort, been happy. Everything's great. I don't care. You've lived squat until you've received the God of the universe in your heart. And you, mo- you might be the most amazing person. And I mean that. You might already be kind and want just, you're a great guy doing wonderful things. What would happen if God got a hold of you? It would blow you away. I'm telling you, eternal life. And then what does he say? And it's kept in heaven for you. Because again, you guys, this life is so short. What are you living for? You know that everything we live for on this earth is just gone, right? You know, you know that, again, they always say that there's no U-Haul behind the hearse. You're not taking anything with you. All that kind of stuff. You're just, you're done here. You're done. And when some, and the Bible says, and some of us are going to get into heaven and it's going to be like, oh, oh, I'm here, but Nothing, I mean, and then some are going to have reward and blessing. I'm telling you, nothing lasts. But this inheritance, it never perishes, it never spoils, and it never fades. It's something to give your life for. It's a life that lasts. It's his kingdom. And you guys, we're co-heirs with Christ. And again, what that means is, yes, the inheritance is heaven. But it also means that right now, I have every spiritual blessing in heaven right now. Every spiritual, bless, spiritual blessing is ours in Christ. I'm rich. What are you laughing at, Suze? Oh, that was Jamie. Okay. I don't have a clue. I'll be totally honest with you. I don't even have a clue how rich I am. It's one of the new things lately, just the last couple of months, I've been trying to figure out, wow, what are they? <laughs> you know? I want these riches of his glorious inheritance, it says in Ephesians. And it's ours. So there you go. Why in the world get captivated? Do you know you can get captivated again and again? That's the other good news. You don't have to get captivated once and then live like this as a Christian the rest of your life. Woe is me. You know, can't wait to get to heaven. You know, maybe we should call that Eeyore Christianity. Whoa. We can get captivated once, but then every time God makes himself real and every time he comes into our life and loves us deeply, it can happen again. And I'm going for the long haul. I want you to know right now, 
If you're feeling guilty, you could receive mercy and be completely forgiven because of what Jesus Christ did for you. If you're in need, you could receive the God of the universe and have a living hope no matter what struggle you go through. And if you're empty and unsatisfied with your life, you have an inheritance that would blow you away that you could start living for. So Bam, why don't you guys come on up? So what do we do, you guys? What do we do with this? Well, let me tell you. If you're in it right now, if you're feeling captivated right now, enjoy it. Soak it in. Be a sponge because it doesn't last. So enjoy it. Just live in it. And then I would say, connect yourself with others. Because I think one of the things that happens is you get captivated and, and I got to let you know, following Christ is a lot more than experience, which we're going to learn. Dave Elsa is going to talk to us about that next week. It's a lot more than just the experience. And we're going to talk about the next phase next week. But you got to connect yourself with other people to get you grounded and get you rooted and established in what it's all about. Don't be surprised when the feelings go away. They do. Just like when you're in love and you still love, but you're not in love, that's what happens with God. Okay? So don't freak out when all the woo goes away. And the other thing is don't, and this is important, don't expect everybody else to feel the way you feel. Okay? Man, when you're on the mountaintop, guess what? There are people in the valley. And there are people in the deserts and on the plains. And sometimes we look at the people on the mountaintops and we get annoyed with them, you know. Um, but enjoy it. Enjoy the fact that they're up there. Look at it and know that it can happen. But don't expect everybody else to feel what you're feeling. What about if you're used to have it and you're just remembering it now? That's all I can tell you. You know what I do sometimes, you guys, when I don't feel God and I haven't felt him for a long time? I'll go out and I'll take a long walk and I literally will start at day one the first time I even felt God and I'll just remember and I'll walk through everything that happened with him and it'll take me back to the mountaintops and the great experiences. So if you aren't feeling it, remember it and give thanks while you're doing that. Give him thanks while you're in your ugly spot. Give him thanks for those great things he's done in the past and it'll help your soul. And then if you haven't tasted it, If you still have never known God, all I can say is, all you got to do is put your faith in Christ. Two things you need to receive. You need to receive his forgiveness, and you need to receive him. And we're going to take communion right now. And we're going to give you a chance to do that. And if you're captivated, here's your chance to take in the body and the blood of Christ and relish in his forgiveness through the blood that shed for you, for his body, his life that was given for you, and imagine him, again, coming into you spiritually. For all of us who are followers of Christ, let's relish in the fact that he loves us that much. And if you're, if you're not a follower of Christ, then you might just need to pass on this and just think about it, but maybe today's the first day where you go, you know what? I'm going to receive it. I'm going to receive his forgiveness. I choose to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that he took the punishment of God for all of my sin on the cross. And I'm going to receive that. And I'm going to let it be reality in me. And then I'm going to receive him. I'm going to have the Holy Spirit of God come into my being. And this God who's alive, that resurrected Jesus Christ, who's alive today, will enter your heart and walk with you every single day. And you too could have an inexpressible and glorious joy. Communion is going to come to you. So when you get it, you take it whenever you feel ready in your own heart. And let's worship God together.